Welcome to the In All Things podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining today's conversation. I'm glad that you're here. We are in our final episode of the Fruits of the Spirit. I hope that you have enjoyed following along so far. It has been really fun to learn about what the original text said um, in the Bible and what it meant for believers. And if you haven't already, I would recommend listening at least to the first part of part one. And it's called In Love, Joy, and Peace. And that was a few weeks ago. I recommend starting there because I do go over more context. Otherwise... I'd recommend maybe pausing this for now. Go read Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, and then come back to this episode. Um, And the only reason why is it just is going to give you more context to the fruits of the Spirit. But I will recap a little. We have been doing some word studies of these characteristics and what they are from a biblical standpoint. Um, These are not just emotions or disciplines. They are God-given fruits that are present in our lives as proof that the Spirit is alive within us and that He is sanctifying us to be more like Jesus. We hear in the Galatians passage a very specific contrast between the desires of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Paul describes the desires of the flesh, and he includes sexual immorality, anger, idolatry, selfishness, jealousy, and he lists a lot more. Um, And Paul is very clear that the flesh contradicts the spirit, and the spirit contradicts the flesh. And if we are led by the spirit, we cannot just do whatever we want. And that's what we can learn from this, is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness— faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these nine fruits of the Spirit, they don't come naturally to us. It is when we intentionally choose these every day with the help of the Lord. And so today is our final episode on this, and we're talking about faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness can mean a few different things, but I'm pretty sure that we're fairly familiar with the general definition of it. Faithfulness means reliability, loyalty to someone or something, and it can be a conviction of what we believe, and that would be being full of faith. And if we are Christ followers, it is our faith that drives us to trust in the Lord, to live our lives purposefully for him, and to be obedient to him. The Bible has a lot to say about faith. And rightfully so, seeing as that is what it is based off of, right? Um, Faith in Christ. We could probably spend an entire episode on what the Bible says about faith. But for now, we're just going to stick to a more brief overview of what this word means. And maybe one day we will dive into a longer episode on this word. I think that faith is summed up in Hebrews chapter 11 very well. This chapter is actually known as the Hall of Faith because it explains what faith is and it recognizes people in the past who had this fruit of faith. 
And it's a really great chapter and it holds a lot of wisdom and inspiration. So I would recommend reading that chapter because don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole thing on this episode, Um, but I'm going to just cover a few bits and pieces just to give us an idea. Verses one through three starts and it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The chapter continues by going through people from the Bible and names several Bible characters who had great faith that we should look up to. Verses 8 through 13 continues, and it says, It was by faith that Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were living in faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. These are only the first few people mentioned in this chapter, but my favorite verse here is 13. These people were still living by faith when they died, yet they had not received the things that they were promised. Oh my goodness, how hard is that to keep faith when we want something, but it seems like God doesn't hear us? How hard is it to stay even hoping for those things when God isn't answering our prayers, at least not the way we want him to? It's difficult sometimes to keep that faith that God fulfills his promises. But it would be good for us to remember that God has always kept his promises. So there's no reason to believe that he won't now. And even if God hasn't promised us the specific something that we're waiting for, we can keep faith in the Lord knowing that he is good. And his plans are for us and they are good. Another thing that I want to point out are the names of the people who are on this list. Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Rahab, the Israelites, David. There are more names, of course, but but do you realize something about these people? They were sinners. Now, on one hand, duh, because we all are, right? But on the other hand, in the minds of us humans, these people sinned big time, so to say. Abraham slept with his wife's servant, and he and Sarah laughed in God's face without when God told them that they would still bear children at an old age. And that's kind of funny because they're now in the hall of faith. Moses murdered somebody, and Rahab was a prostitute. The Israelites strayed from God over and over and over again, and David had had an affair. In our eyes, you know, to us, these, these aren't really smaller sins per se. But despite their shortcomings, their faith in the Lord was still recorded for generations to come. And I think it's humbling that 
they're listed among the faithful even though they made some big mistakes in their lives. That shows us that when we make mistakes, when we doubt the Lord, we aren't disqualified. We're not disqualified from the Holy Spirit working in our lives, and we're not disqualified from being counted among the faithful. And to me, that is so comforting. In Matthew 8, we are told of a centurion, which is a Roman soldier, whose servant is dying. He came to Jesus about his servant, and Jesus asked, well, do you want me to come back with you to heal him? And the centurion said, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed. And his servant was healed at that very moment. There are multiple instances like this in the Gospels where people were healed because of their faith. Faithfulness is believing that God is who he says he is and continuing in that belief even when life is difficult. We have to trust what God says through the Holy Spirit and through the Bible over what the world is telling us. Because the world, especially right now, you guys, the world is loud. And sometimes the world can be convincing. But that's why we have to stay firm and faithful in the promises of the Lord. When we have faith, we trust that he will work everything out for good. And like Abraham and many of his descendants, we need to learn to trust that our home here on earth and all of the situations we find ourselves in is nothing, nothing compared to heaven. But the way we get this faith is allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of us. If you recall from my last episode, part two of this series, I mentioned that in the King James Version of the Bible, kindness is actually listed as gentleness. And instead, this gentleness, the eighth fruit, is called meekness. And what this does is it gives us this little tiny glimpse, this little different perspective on what these words mean. Because kindness in that last episode was being kind and being gentle with others. Like having a kind and a soft heart. Being attentive to people. Helping people, right? So this gentleness or meekness would actually be more equivalent with humility. Jesus is, once again, the perfect example of humility. Coming in the most lowly way to the earth for ministry and dying the most painful and humiliating death to save us. But we know that Jesus, he restrained his glory. He restrained his strength, his power, in order to sacrifice his life for us. That is the ultimate example of gentleness because he didn't need to go through all of that. But he loved us that much that he did. Now, of course, we don't have the same power as Jesus does, but we as humans have this tendency to think that we have power. (laughs) We can be so prideful sometimes, but the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to humble ourselves, to have an attitude of gentleness. In Matthew 21, a verse from Isaiah is quoted and it says, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Some translations say gentle, like that one did, and others use the word humble. 
while still having a spirit of humility, another chapter in Galatians actually gives another perspective of gentleness. Galatians 6 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. What does it mean to restore a person gently? I want to read a passage from John 8 because Jesus, again, exemplifies that Galatians 6 verse perfectly. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people were gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus did not harshly rebuke this woman who had sinned, but he also didn't pass over that sin without addressing it. He gently restored that woman as we are now called to do as well. And so once again, it's this posture of humility. And finally, we hear a lot about self-control in the church. And not necessarily only in the church, right? But but when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is talked about quite a bit. And if we're being technical, each of the previous eight fruits of the Spirit actually require self-control. But to just say the fruit of the Spirit is self-control would cheapen what this Galatians passage says. In Romans 6... Paul says that our old self was sacrificed with Christ, and we are no longer enslaved to sin. And although we aren't enslaved to sin anymore, we do still need self-control to refrain from sinning. You know, I often think that we have this limited view of self-control because more often than not, when this is talked about, it's often surrounding anger issues, like controlling your anger. Now, don't get me wrong, that's very necessary, but... We don't just need it with anger. Or we'll talk about it regarding a more quote-unquote tangible sin, such as alcoholism or pornography. Because again, we absolutely need self-control in those areas. Please do not mishear me. But we need self-control in every single moment of our lives. When we look in the mirror, are we tearing ourselves down or building ourselves up? We are God's creation, right? We got to remember that. When we are with our friends, are we gossiping about somebody else? If we're sitting alone, are we taking our thoughts captive and thinking about what is true and noble and pure as it talks about in Philippians? It can also pertain to self-discipline, like if we're procrastinating, self-control would be just getting the job done anyway. Um, And if we are talking about anger, it's not just controlling yourself to not get angry. It can also be controlling your attitude to redirect that anger into kindness, which, surprise, surprise, happens to be another fruit of the Spirit. 
I just think it's so great how all of these just come full circle and relate back to each other. So I want to bring us back to the whole Fruits of the Spirit passage in Galatians one more time. So bear with me as I read it. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. We were called to be free, but we are not called to use our freedom to serve the desires of our flesh. We are called to walk by the Spirit. And you know what that requires? Self-control. Just in that first verse that I read in that, it mentions self-control. It mentions humility or gentleness, right? Um, And also mentions love. Living out these different fruits of the Spirit can be really challenging sometimes. And and sometimes we, even as Christians, don't exemplify these nine traits as we should. If one or even many fruits don't come easily to us as believers, it's easier to wonder, well, why? I have this Holy Spirit inside of me. What's going on? And, and really, this can be a deeper issue, one that I don't think we often think about. It is possible to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. We are told both in 1 Thessalonians and Ephesians to not do this. And Ephesians even gives us a big list of things that can quench the Holy Spirit, like unwholesome talk, anger, bitterness, greed, lying, unforgiveness, sexual immorality. When we continue to live in this sin, because we do know what is right and wrong, we, we know that. When we continue to live in that sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we quench or suppress his voice and we have a harder time hearing it. Now, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit leaves us and no longer works in our lives at all. But remember, we have to allow him in to do the work. And by continually sinning, we're just ignoring that and we're suppressing it and we're pressing mute and it's harder and harder to hear him. So if you are being convicted of a sin that is ruling your life, and you think that it may be grieving the Holy Spirit, repent, turn away from the sin and run to Christ. Because remember, we are no longer slaves to sin. And when we do this, when we turn to the Lord, we allow the Holy Spirit to have the driver's seat in our life again. And then we will start to see those fruits begin to bloom. But that can also take some time as well. So in that case, then we would need patience to see that happen. 
There's a few more verses that I want to read, and this time it's from Second Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of the fruits of the Spirit are mentioned in those verses, and it says as we have these traits and we continue to grow in them, we will not be unproductive in our faith. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and this series. Make sure that you have listened to the first two as well. And if you're not already, make sure that you're following on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at In All Things Pod on both of those, or visit our website, inallthingspodcast.com. And if you don't mind, I don't ask this very often, but if you don't mind, go to Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform that you're listening on and leave a review. That would be really helpful. And it just helps the platform's algorithm and helps more people to be able to join our conversation. So thank you again for joining and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows In All Things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In All Things Pod on both of those and visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.